This is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. My goodness, another devastating performance, this time on the road. Another route of what is a good team. And the Buccaneers now stand at 5-2. and two. Welcome in to Nothing But Bucks, another Victory Monday edition. And I ask, not unlike Russell Crowe's character Maximus in Gladiator in 2000, that Academy Award-winning performance, are you not entertained by what you are seeing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And I love coming in on this podcast and repeating what I have been saying week after week after week. Get back to me in mid to late October on how do the Tampa Bay Buccaneers look. Not only are you not entertained, but are you seeing right now what I'm seeing, which is a team firing on both sides of the ball, including even on special teams in the third dimension of the game but firing offensively and defensively like a Super Bowl contending team that we had all thought, hoped, and wanted this team to be. This is the reason why, without really an offseason and with no preseason games, we knew, those of us that have been around this team for a long time, and I've been around this team as either a fan or covering this team for going on 40 years, yes, I am that old. But having covered this team year after year, coaching staff after coaching staff, been around for the highs, been around for the lows, and then the highs again, you knew this team was going to take some time to come around because of the circumstances. And boy, have they come around with a 45-20 whipping of the Raiders, who again, I'll say it for the second time right here at the beginning of the podcast, they're good. They'll probably end up winning nine games, ten games, and be a contender for an AFC wildcard. It would surprise me. If they don't, and, and maybe you know something happens to Derek Carr, you hope not with an injury that would affect things. But and that's happened before with them. But in, in this case, uh, I believe John Gruden's gotten them pointing in the in the right direction. The Bucks were just that much better, that much better in these circumstances on October the twenty fifth, twenty twenty, with a Hall of Fame quarterback, with an outstanding loaded set of weapons that are healthy. And then a defense that is just cranking it up, a menacing D that was not going to let the Las Vegas Raiders uh, be able to come back uh, once the Buccaneers got to 31 points, 38 points, ain't happening. Not not on this defense. You're rarely, if ever, going to get that off of Todd Bowles' D. It might happen later this year, but you can't count on that consistently. So a big buck win, and let me set the table for you. Uh, again, however you joined us, whether you found us through the Buccaneers mobile app, through Buccaneers.com, through a social media link, make sure you subscribe through the mobile app, through Apple Podcasts, wherever you find uh, Nothing But Bucks on your podcast. Search for it, Nothing But Bucks. It should come up. But however you found us, subscribe, and it will come automatically to you on the day after games. That's typically Mondays, like in this case. But next week, it's Monday Night Football, so the new Nothing But Bucks is out after the Giants game. Monday night, obviously, in the recap mode on Tuesday. That's how we work it here. That's how we roll. So uh, subscribe away. Thank you for finding us. Spread the word. Uh, share it out. Uh, rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. All of those things help here on Nothing But Bucks. So by means of an outline, we'll go over the highlights, and there were a ton of them, a ton of Tom Brady silencing the critics, the haters, uh, for, for all the uh, folks that wanted to believe their own narrative that Tom Brady suddenly uh, was going to be in a new situation, didn't have it anymore, was going to struggle, going to struggle to throw interceptions. Uh, eh, sorry. Five games now, one interception, four and one record, and he puts the ball wherever it needs to be over and over and over again. I will say for the first time on this podcast, you've not won anything yet. It is five and two, and in honor of the late Sam White, who was the coach, and said, make sure that that's 5-2 tomorrow in the local papers on the radio. He was saying that to me and everybody else back in that 1995 season. Unfortunately, 5-2 ended up being 7-9 for that year, and Sam got fired. But in honor of Sam White, the Bucks are 5-2 in 2020, and a pointing upward and playing with momentum – and winning a game against Green Bay at home last week and then following it up with an equally dominant performance against another good playoff-caliber team has you thinking right now, this team can win the division. This team can contend for the NFC title, if not be in the Super Bowl, which is 
right here at Raymond James Stadium, Super Bowl 55, coming in February. They haven't done that yet. We haven't gotten that far along here in 2020 and in the schedule. But for right now, for what we have to go on, they look the part. And they look the part Sunday at Allegiant Stadium uh, in Las Vegas. So we'll go over the highlights. You'll hear from Coach Bruce Arians. You'll also hear from Tom Brady, his postgame comments to the media. Rookie Antoine Winfield is going to be a big subject of discussion. You'll hear from him in the aftermath of this game. Also from our Hooters postgame show, a one-on-one interview with Scotty Miller, a second-year wide receiver now with his first 100-yard game and a big touchdown catch at the end of the half. You'll hear Scotty Miller talk about all of those things a little bit later on here in the podcast in a conversation I had with him when it was all done on Sunday night. And then Carmen Vitale will be here. Carmi V, staff writer, Buccaneers.com, hops on with me with her insight uh, on this win Uh, She typically on uh, Mondays has her recap uh, that will be up. She'll explain more about that. She also does a breakdown, a player uh, film profile, a film study of an individual player and how they did. That's out on Tuesdays. She may even tip her hand a little bit about what she's looking at, but I want to get her insight. She's been around this team, obviously with access uh, through team media uh, at One Buck Place uh, through the July training camp process into August with practice without preseason games, want to see what she's been seeing about the development of some of these younger players like Devin White or like Antoine Winfield, who's a rookie on defense, or Scotty Miller. We're going to talk with Carmen Vitale about that in a uh, in a conversation in a little bit here after we're done with the highlights uh, and the postgame comments. So a busy nothing but Bucks. And, uh, and, by, and by the way, a, a couple of more here. The Buccaneer weapons. I know there's a lot being made of Mike Evans not getting as many catches Uh, as he has. Mike's caught a bunch of touchdowns this year, and this is about winning. I can tell you this right now because I know Mike Evans. Mike Evans doesn't care anymore about a 1,000-yard season or the Pro Bowl on a team with a losing record. You know what he cares about right now, Buccaneer fans? This is a really profound uh, point that I'm about to make here. It's it's really something that you had to think like a nuclear equation on, on how to build nuclear energy weapons. It's really hard to understand and grasp this. He wants to win. He does not care anymore about, sure, you have incentives in your contract that get you paid more. And you get accolades and you get to go have, there's not going to be a Pro Bowl this year in 2020, but you get accolades and get to go to the Pro Bowl or get NFL awards or what. That stuff is not a priority anymore for number 13. You know what's a priority? He's never played in a playoff game. It's just like Levante David, number 54. I ache, I ache for Levante that he has not gotten to play in a postseason game as of yet nine years into the league. And Mike is now, what, seventh year uh, into all of this and, and wants desperately to win and be in the playoffs. Mike Evans doesn't care right now if he has another 100-yard receiving game. Sure, he wants touches. Sure, he wants to be involved. But if he's catching key catches on third down, a key touchdown here, and it only totals up to 30 yards or 50 yards or three catches or two catches, and the Bucs are winning, give me the wins. Give me the wins. You think you think Shaq Barrett right now, I, I know he's on a one-year deal on the franchise tag. He wants a ring. He has the Buccaneers' sack record. He led the league in sacks last year. He, You think Jason Pierre-Paul at this stage in his career is caring about what his stats are or how many sacks or how many quarterback pressures he has? He wants. You think Adamican Sue, who took less money to come back to this team for a shot at a ring, cares about the stats right now? It is about, you think Leonard Fournette, who came to this team, and it was great to see him battling uh, back out there, fully healthy off the ankle injury, 50 yards uh, rushing, some great catches uh, out of the backfield as well from Tom Brady. Leonard Fournette has been in Jacksonville, where yes, they had a playoff year a couple of years ago, but that, that by and large has been a disaster in Jacksonville. And he's got to feel liberated. Uh, how about Steve McClendon, the new defensive tackle that the Bucks just traded for from the Jets, who left an 0-6 situation in New York to come here? You think Steve uh, cares about McClendon cares about his tackles or his number of snaps? He wants to win. Mike Evans wants to win. Levante David wants to win. That's what this is about. And one more here. I know. I know this is a Buccaneers podcast. Uh, but I, I will put this out there because I took 
I had so many different interviews and took grief from people in New England saying, oh, you're going to see what's going to happen here when Tommy, when Tommy Brady is no longer with Belichick. You're going to see what's going to happen. Okay, uh, how are we doing here uh, late October with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay having four and five touchdown games and throwing for 300 yards and no interceptions and the Buccaneers continue to click for 38 points, 45 points. And New England can't get out of their own way offensively without him. As somebody who fired back on these interviews, not only in New England, but I did them all over the country nationally, did them on Fox Sports Radio, did them on Sirius XM NFL Radio, uh, did them, I did interviews in Hawaii, in California, in Oklahoma, on and on. The South, the Upper Midwest. I talked to Boston. I talked to. I'm, I'm not trying to make this all about me. They all wanted to talk Buccaneers. They needed to fill up the hours and the content, and they all wanted to talk about what's going to happen to Tom Brady when he's not around Bill Belichick anymore, and the Patriots. Well, right now, seven game sample size. You have your answer on how the Hall of Famer looks with the weapons around him. And as somebody that said during all of those interviews, the analogy I used. He was working with a Pinto in New England. He had last year. He had Edelman. He didn't have Gronkowski, who had retired, and they really didn't have an established uh, complimentary receiver for Edelman, much less somebody that could get deep for them. It was throw the ball to the backs, throw it short to Edelman, and Brady made the best of it, and they still won 10, 11 games and made the playoffs. Yes, they lost in the playoffs, but he made the best of it. I said over and over again on these interviews, he's now coming to work with a Ferrari. With Evans and Godwin and Gronk out of retirement and a healthy O.J. Howard, who's not anymore, unfortunately, Cameron Brait, Ronald Jones, and this is before I even knew the Bucks had Leonard Fournette. Uh, and Scotty Miller developed into what he's become. You look at the weapons now that this Bucks team has, it's obvious that a, that a quarterback with his Hall of Fame credentials was going to succeed. And how do the New England Patriots look right now? being blown out on Sunday with Cam Newton throwing three interceptions, barely registering 90 yards. Cam Newton even said after the game, I understand I may be going to the bench here with how I am playing. New England's offense sputtering every which direction, primarily because the guy that was masking all of their ills is throwing the ball to Godwin, Evans, Miller, Gronk, Brait, Ronald Jones, Fournette, here in Tampa Bay. And if that's not obvious to you right now, you're just being a hater. If that's not obvious to you right now, you just want to admit that you're wrong. You're wrong, and the Patriots are in for a long year, it looks like. Unless something drastically changes, you're looking at a double-digit losing season in New England. Welcome to accepting reality that it is hard to win in the NFL. And the Patriots became so accustomed as an organization and a fan base to winning over and over and over again, you sometimes do lose sight. It's not easy to win. And there are teams right now shutting them down offensively, and I don't know how much better they would have been with Tom Brady with their same cast of characters overall and statistically, but they weren't going to be what they look like they're going to be right now, which is something like 5-11 and 11, or maybe 6-10 and 10 with Tom Brady. They'd have still been 9-7 and seven or 10-6 and six because he's worth four or five wins with the way he plays. Period. And I was saying this in advance. June, July, he is worth four or five wins. And let's hope it keeps up for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to the highlights of what happened in Las Vegas. The Bucs' first ever trip into Las Vegas at the brand-new Allegiant Stadium. No fans, as we explained on the broadcast yesterday. The owner, Mark Davis... Uh, saying that, hey, we had sold everything out in advance with 65,000-plus and seat licenses, and how are we going to come up with a lottery system and a priority that was fair to, to not have fans uh, be upset with us? 75 80% of the fans are going to be upset every game that they can't go. So he decided no fans for this year because of the first year in Vegas that they wanted in that new stadium, the first year with fans for everybody to be there. And that's their hope for next year. So in some ways, this helped the Buccaneers not having to deal with the crowd noise and a roaring crowd, especially when the Raiders got off to a big start, including uh, Derek Carr. We knew that he had some uh, big play capability at wide receiver, including the former Eagle, the former Berkeley prep here in Tampa Bay uh, star, the USC wideout Nelson Aguilar, and Carr found him early on. 
Second down, five, the snap out of the gun. Here comes the blitz, throws the ball upfield. Caught ball, touchdown, Las Vegas Raiders. Nelson Aguilar. Well, that former Eagle, two big catches on this opening drive, and the Raiders lead six to nothing. 21-yard touchdown for Aguilar put the Raiders up after the Buccaneers had gone three and out. Seven-nothing on an eight-play, 70-yard drive. But not unlike the game with Green Bay last week, the, the Buccaneers would lock in and would begin to take the game over, especially in the second quarter. They locked in first with their next drive. Uh, Rob Gronkowski catching a long one from Brady. Ronald Jones with a nine-yard run. Eventually, uh, they got down inside the red zone. Brady to Leonard Fournette. Looked like he might have gotten in, stretching for the end zone. Came close, got down inside the one-yard line on a catch down inside the one-yard line. And that's when Brady hurried the Bucks to the line and took, took the opportunity to go ahead and score himself. Third and goal from the one-yard line. Quarterback keeper by Brady. He's got a Tampa Bay Buccaneer touchdown. Another quarterback sneak touchdown. By the way, these are the calls of the Hall of Famer, Mean Gene Deckerhoff, Dave Moore, Buccaneers Radio. As Brady's quarterback sneak even the game up at 7-7 uh, at that stage, capping off the drive. Now, uh, again, uh, the Raiders able to move the ball early on the Bucs defense. Carr's able to make some completions to the tight end, Darren Waller. Uh, another long one to Nelson Aguilar, but eventually... Um, a field goal from Daniel Carlson would put them back in front, 10-7 at this stage. And it really a back and forth game with former Bucks coach John Gruden, the Super Bowl winning coach. Uh, Paul Gunther is defensive coordinator, matching wits with Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich on the Buccaneers offense. The Bucs were forced to punt on their next possession. But then Todd Bowles' defense locked in, including Devin White, who would come up big play after play in this game. Achieved a couple of first downs, face second down and 10 from the Raider 37. Carr takes the snap, looks, pump face, gets to get out of the pocket, runs to his right, still running. He's going to be staying and dropped short of the line of scrimmage by Devin White. Devin White, boy, he grabbed the jersey and spun him around like a rag doll. one hand. And that, 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 they got it behind the line of scrimmage, so Devin White will be awarded a sack. One of three sacks on the day for the second year linebacker out of LSU, and so that helped forced the Raiders back into punting. And then the Bucks got the ball back and went back on the move. Uh, again, marching some 85 yards this time. Uh, Leonard Fournette catching an 11-yard pass. Uh, then Chris Godwin, a 16-yard catch. And then a deep throw to Rob Gronkowski of 26 yards. We don't have that in the highlights. Set the Bucks up again with a first and goal. On second and goal, Brady looking for his favorite tight end again. In motion, Chris Godwin, three receivers to the right. Here's Brady looking, throws toward the end zone. Caught ball, Tampa Bay. Gronkowski makes the catch. Tuck it away from the defender. It's a touchdown, Tampa Bay. And Rob Gronkowski for the second week in a row has a touchdown. That is the number one all-time touchdown combination for quarterback and tight end in NFL history. What is that, 92 touchdowns now for the two of them? Incredible. Uh, Gronk catching officially a five-yarder second week in a row with a touchdown. And I love saying these words. It put the Bucks up for good at that point at 14 to 10. And they would just continue to offensively do about whatever they wanted uh, here as uh, the Bucks got a, a punt again from the Raiders, got the ball back in the two-minute drill with timeout still remaining. And this is where Brady went to work, and we've seen this so many times in New England, and we've seen it a couple of times already this year uh, for the Bucs. Just went to work almost surgically, uh, hitting Godwin over the middle for 16 yards on a second down play. Uh, it ended up uh, then finding Scotty Miller for 11 yards and a first down, setting up a first down uh, opportunity again. Then a little short pass to Leonard Fournette. He actually had to clock the ball a couple of times, so that hurt his stats. Speaking of stats earlier in the podcast on the quarterback rating, he had two incomplete passes that were uh, killed the clock, that were spikes of the ball. But in any event, that would set up what was happening here. First, uh, Chris Godwin caught an eight-yard pass on fourth down, a critical play. The Bucks, basically out of Ryan Suckup's field goal range. It would have been about a 58 or 59-yard field goal. So they go forward on fourth and three. Brady, calm as ever, just fires it right in across the middle. Godwin gets the eight yards. They run up. They spike the ball. And now on a second down play with 17 seconds left in the half in field goal range, I love, I love stepping on the gas here and going for more touchdowns. 
On second down and 10, Brady drops, protects it, throws the deep ball toward the corner. Into Scotty Miller, and he's got the ball. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Touchdown, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Scotty Miller. Great throw by Brady. What a throw to the back left corner of the end zone as Gene called it and was roaring there. Scotty Miller only needed to get under the ball and get the feet in, which he did. Great throw and catch. And that was devastating to the Raiders at the end of the half to see Tom Brady extend the lead to 21-10, even though the Raiders knew they were going to get the ball to start the second half. Those two touchdowns in the second quarter flipped the Bucks' momentum, and uh, and then it would continue on into half number two. The Buck defense came out locked down, uh, locked in, gave up one first down, but then forced the Raiders to punt. Then Brady goes back to work again. Uh, he he's able to find Chris Godwin on a second down play for six yards and a first down. Uh, then uh, there was a penalty. Uh, they were called for pass interference against Mike Evans, were the Raiders. And then a deep throw to Scotty Miller down the sideline, down the right sideline in front of the uh, Raider bench. Brady hooks up with Miller on that one. And uh, you move into scoring range, and eventually Ryan Suckup would bury the field goal and uh, give credit where it's due here for the Bucs as they come up with that field goal to make the game 24-10 in a time-consuming drive, and you really felt at that point, okay, Tampa Bay's going to be in great shape. Now, the Raiders obviously didn't roll over. Derek Carr wasn't going to roll over. They made adjustments. Uh, Carr, again, was able to, to hit a big pass to Nelson Aguilar, as he had done earlier in the game. Uh, that got them into scoring position on a 44-yard catch down inside the five and eventually led to this the one-yard line. Fullback, eye formation. Derek Carr throws a dart. Touchdown. Raiders. Tight end, Darren Waller. Boy, you line up an eye. Everybody thinking it's going to be a power run play right up the gut. And Carr takes one step back, throws a dart, and Darren Waller. Yeah, they split Darren Waller out on Levante David and ran the quick fake outside, dive inside, slant pass, and Carr hit him right on the numbers, 83, for the touchdown. So the Raiders looking to be right back in the game now, 24-17. And eventually they got the ball back and got another Daniel Carlson field goal to narrow the game to 24-20. But Tampa Bay just too good in this game offensively to hold them down the whole second half. Uh, Brady going to work, uh, 13 yards to Leonard Fournette over the middle who made a juggling catch. There was another uh, penalty for another pass interference. Uh, going against Mike Evans. Uh, so that gave the Bucks another first down. And then uh, Brady again to uh, Mike Evans, this time on a completion for 15 yards on this drive uh, into the fourth quarter. Uh, eventually, Scotty Miller catches a 12-yarder, and then that would set up on first and goal from the four-yard line. Brady looking for more. Scotty Miller, our leading receiver. They'll run the ball. Brady rolling to his right, still rolling, still rolling. Those toward the end of caught ball. Touchdown, Chris Godwin. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Wow, what an answer by Tom Brady in the box. Who are you going to double team? That's what it comes down to. You try to take Mike Evans away. You want to double Gronk in the red zone or on goal to go. Okay, Chris Godwin's going to be open. One on one. He gets open. Brady finds him. Part of an incredible streak for the Bucs. Uh, as they came into this game 15 for 15 with goal-to-go touchdowns, leading the NFL in the number of goal-to-go touchdowns and the fact that it's perfect, 100%, 15 for 15. They did it five more times against the Raiders. This is crazy. The Bucks have had the ball now 20 times, goal-to-go, where you can only get uh, a touchdown or you have to settle for a field goal or maybe, hopefully not, you're going to lose the ball on downs if you go for it on fourth down or turn it over. Those are the options of what could happen. And the Bucks are now 20 for 20 with five more goal-to-go touchdowns, including the one that we'll have the highlight of here in just a second. Godwin's touchdown catch, part of his big day, just does the dirty work, whatever this team needs, blocking, tough yards. Great to see him get a touchdown, leaping in the end zone, got the feet down. Then the Raiders got the ball back, and once again, the Buccaneers crank up the defensive pressure. Well, here's Carr dropping back to the fourth down at one. He is under pressure, under pressure, under pressure. Rolling to his right, a flag has been thrown. Carr is knocked out of bounds. Short of the first down yard to make. Be careful, Mr. Quarterback. Devin White is looking for you. And Devin White just absolutely spanked you. Devin White sacking Derek Carr on the fourth down to basically seal the game once and for all at 38-20. But Bucks, Bucks weren't done yet. Hey, they take over with still uh, some five and a half minutes left in the game. And it's like, look, it's 38-20. We're going to go get one more touchdown here. 
We're gonna stay on the gas. Go for the go for the uh, killer instinct touchdown that's gonna put the game away. That's exactly what they did from the Raider 32-yard line. Uh, Brady finding Mike Evans for 22 yards, and then Leonard Fournette uh, able to run down to the one-yard line on a seven-yard run, and that would lead to the final points of the day. Third down and goal. Tampa Bay Buccaneers ready to go back to work. Here's the snap. We did not challenge. Brady looks, looks, throws a pass, caught ball, touchdown Tampa Bay. A dark zone. Penalty flag thrown to the end zone, but Tyler Johnson has his second career catch. Gonna be for holding six. on the defense. Touchdown's gonna stand. Rookie Tyler Johnson hauling in that one-yard touchdown pass. Again, goal to go over and over and over again. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. 45-20 when you looked up at the scoreboard on this one at Allegiant Stadium. Long second half for the Raiders as the Bucks pulled away in a 24-20 game with 21 unanswered points to win this one easily. Uh, cannot say enough about the job, the complete victory that the Bucks had. Brady finished officially 33 of 45 for 369 yards. Hello, uh, in this one, give credit where it is due. Uh, four more touchdowns on the day. Scotty Miller led the Bucks six catches, 109 yards uh, in this game. Rob Gronkowski, also another touchdown catch, came up with key moments and catches, had five balls for 62 yards. I may have said Scotty Miller led the Bucks in receptions, but Chris Godwin actually led in receptions. Nine catches, 88 yards when it was done, all the tough yardage. And again, Mike Evans, two catches, 37 yards, drew a couple of penalty flags that helped uh, sustain drives. They, this team just wants to win. Uh, Leonard Fournette, six catches out of the backfield. Bucks had nine guys catch balls. When you look at Tanner Hudson catching one in the first half, Cameron Brake catching one in the first half, Tyler Johnson ends up with a couple, Ronald Jones even had a catch. Brady just spread it all around, and the Buccaneers put over 450 yards of offense up on the board, put, put nearly 480 yards of offense up on the board uh, in this one, Brady not sacked in the game. No turnovers in the game. Once again, uh, if I had one analyst after another that I read and saw that, oh, first year of Bruce Arians' system, career high in interceptions for Ben Roethlisberger and Carson Palmer, and last year Jameis Winston, uh, sorry, not so far with Tom Brady, who continues to just light it up at, at this stage now through seven games. Uh, the touchdown-to-interception ratio would be 18-4 to for the future Hall of Famer, unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer. One pick in his last five games. I don't know how many times on this Nothing But Bucks podcast the last two years I had to come in here and try to explain away interceptions. I'm thrilled that I'm not sitting here talking about giving the ball to the other team. Take care of the ball and look at what happens. You don't even have to have a 369-yard, four-touchdown day to win these games if you just don't throw it to the other team, and Brady's not doing that uh, thus far. All right, so when it was done, let's get to the interviews. The happy post-game show, the Hooters post-game show on Buccaneers Radio, uh, featured head coach Bruce Arians uh, here in the aftermath of a 45-20 victory in Las Vegas, back-to-back -back solid wins. Here's the coach. I'm going to begin it the same way I began last week. You did a lot of great things on both sides of the ball. What are you happiest with after this is over with, Coach? Oh, I think the turnaround after after the three penalties on defense and we let them go down there and get a touchdown after we had them off the field and had an interception, uh, I thought we, we got regained our composure. Offense bounced back. Uh, defense got the ball back. We scored touchdowns and iced the game way. But I think the best – the first interception by Antoine and then the two-minute drive before half, I thought it was a beautiful drive and hit that ball to Scotty in the end zone. Oh, great throw, great catch, and a big play before the half. Yeah, let's pick up on that because, again, you knew the Raiders were going to get the ball to start the second half. You're running the two-minute offense, and you got a couple of first downs, and it eventually leads to the shot down the field, the one-on-one -on -one with Scotty Miller. Just from your vantage point, describe what you saw on that, please. Yeah, we know they had rotated the coverage again to Mike Evans to make sure he was doubled. So Scotty was one-on-one. -on -one. So uh, I think they thought we were playing for a field goal. And uh, Scotty gave him just enough little hesitation and just ran right by him. Great throw and great catch. We were just saying before you came on, uh, and this, this obviously is something that's going to continue to be talked about, 
Uh, you have so many weapons, pass-catching weapons, even backs out of the backfield that can catch the football. When everybody is healthy, and you've gotten healthier last week and this week, just uh, elaborate on how much of a problem that poses with a Hall of Fame quarterback at the controls. Yeah, it really is. You know, I went up to Mike before the game. I said, what do you think? 100%? He said, now I'm up to 80. Chris, what do you think? I'm probably around 80. Scotty, I'm probably about 85. So I would be really happy when we get them all really healthy and uh, and see what we can do. Gronk's playing really good. Tom's obviously playing outstanding. Uh, there was a couple I know he wanted back, and uh, they'd always that's always the situation. But uh, anytime you can put 45 points on the board, it's huge. Well, we were just also discussing uh, this stat. I don't know how fully aware you are of this. You came into the game 15 for 15, goal to go, scoring a touchdown. Perfect. Five more times today you had goal to go and you scored a touchdown as part of the 45 points. Why have you had so much success with the field compressed inside the 10, inside the 5, getting in the end zone? Yeah, I think coaches have got good game plans and the players are executing. The, the, you know, we're running the ball good, but we're also throwing it extremely well. And Tom's just making great decisions on where to go with the football. A lot of them, we have a run and a pass both called at the same time. So it's an RPO, and he just executing really well. Defensively, Devin White, let's talk about him. 11 tackles officially, three sacks officially uh, in this game. Young man, the former first-round pick, showed up large. I know you've not seen the tape, but I just gave you the stats there. What did, what did you see out of his play in the middle of your defense, please? Yeah, just saying, just sideline to sideline and great pass rusher. I mean, Labonte and, and Devin have so much speed um, as pass rushers and, and sideline to sideline defenders. Uh, they're just really, really hard to block, and what a great tandem of guys they are. But Devin played outstanding. How satisfying is this win coming off the Green Bay win where everybody's talking about how well you played, you had to go all the way west to play them in Las Vegas and to dominate a second half and win by 25. How satisfying for you, the staff, and the team? It's outstanding. You know, again, they you know, took the ball right down and went got a touchdown, but we don't blink. Uh, guys just start, you know, keep pounding the rock and keep working. So I'm really proud of this football team. We're, not, we're, we're still not anywhere near how good we can be. But we're getting better. What makes you say that? Because everybody's going to say, man, this looks like a Super Bowl team the last two weeks. You're saying we're not anywhere near where we can be. You're just seeing it in practice, and you're seeing the potential? Well, I mean, we had, a, we had, a, we had an interception. We jumped off sides, got off the field. We, we probably left 100 yards, 150 yards of passing out there that we didn't hit. So there, there's always room for improvement. Bucks with two big wins. Coach, congratulations on this one. Enjoy a happy plane ride home. Thank you, sir. You bet. Thank you, guys. I loved what he had to say that, hey, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Rob Gronkowski are all saying, I'm not at 100%, but I'm going to give it a go. They, this team wants to win, and they've got to get a little healthier, and they'll get a little extra day here, not playing until Monday night, to try to get somewhat healthier uh, for this club. Uh, but you're going to play with bumps and bruises and injuries, and uh, the Bucks have uh, have overcome that with uh, some significant injuries earlier in the year, including losing O.J. Howard for the season, not having Leonard Fournette for four games. I know LaShawn McCoy didn't see the field very much at all, even though he was active yesterday. He's been bothered by an ankle injury. Mike Evans playing with an ankle injury. I was concerned for Chris Godwin, who got dinged earlier in the game and got bent back that he might that he might have another foot or ankle injury, but he kept on uh, playing and battling. Gronkowski playing through the injured shoulder. You got defensive guys that are also a bit beat up that are out there playing. It's only seven games into a 16-game schedule, but so far, so good. All right, Tom Brady, speaking of him, off that 369-yard pass day, man, these numbers just uh, stand out. A 127 quarterback rating with four touchdowns. Here's the Bucks QB talking with the media after it was done. You're going to add another one in Antonio Brown. Just your thoughts about how this will all fit together uh, with, with this many receivers. Well, it's up to us to get to work. And, uh, you know, we had a decent day today and glad we won on the road, but none of it matters for next week. And um, there's a lot of football left to play. There's a lot of good football teams. Um, we just got to keep growing. Learn, you know, we got to learn each other and uh, continue to try to be more effective, more efficient. And, uh, you know, that happens on the practice field, gaining trust in one another. And uh, we gotta we gotta stay after it. Hey Tom, uh, along those same lines, um, with the team signing Antonio Brown, he's a guy that you have familiarity with and, and a friendship with. 
Uh, a lot of us haven't seen him for several months. Uh, how is he doing uh, and how would you describe his mindset and, and how do you think he will fit in with this group of guys that you already have? I'm not getting into personal conversations you know, we've had together. So, um, yeah, I mean, the guys we have are amazing players, uh, teammates, Mike, Chris, Scotty, Tyler had cut a touchdown today, Jay Watts, Cyril, Mick, the tight ends, Huddy, Gronk, um, Cam, obviously, they're all doing a great job. We miss OJ out there, and uh, we got a good group. And, um, you know, we're all expected to go out there and work hard every day, do our best, help the team win. And uh, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to win football games, and we're here to do a job. Tom, you've played with a lot of outstanding receivers over 20 years. Um, how's Chris Godwin fitting in in terms of uh, being a total wide receiver, the total package, Tom? He's doing an unbelievable job. And, you know, we, we uh, you know, we're growing together every day, and I have so much respect for him as a player, his style of play, um, how he compliments Mike and Scotty. Um, you know, that whole receiving group has done a tremendous job for us. So we're five and two. We're at a decent place, not quite at the halfway point in the year. We've got a lot of football left and uh, we're going to need everybody and we're going to need everybody's best. And uh, we're going to expect everybody's best. And we're going to try to meet the challenge every week. Tom, you've played with Antonio Brown. How much uh, influence did you have in him coming here? And how would you describe Antonio as a player and also as a person? He's had some disturbing allegations against him. Uh, you had a lot of questions in there. Which would you like me to answer? All of them. <laughs> if, oh, you if, like if you'll answer it. one, if you'll answer one, I guess, how would you describe him as the player and the person? Well, he's a tremendous football player. And, um, you know, I played with him for a brief period of time. So looking forward to working with him again and, um, you know, see what role he can come in. And, and uh, you know, he's a very hardworking guy. So, um Again, we're all going to go out there on the practice field and do the best we could do. And we're going to see, um, you know, how it all fits together. So it's a lot of hard work ahead. You know, it doesn't, none of it just magically happens. I think we realized that early in the season, you know, you put a lot of new people together. we are got to figure a lot of things out in a short period of time. We're fighting against a lot of continuity from a lot of other teams, a lot of other coaches. I mean, Bruce has had tremendous patience with me, um, you know, watching me grow in the offense and, uh, you know, I totally appreciate that and respect that. And I feel like I'm getting to a more comfortable place. Um, but, you know, he's been a great mentor for me in the short period of time I have. Byron and I are growing in our communication. And um, that's what it takes. That's what it takes for a good football team is to continue to work at it every day and, um, you know, try to be better every week. And that's what we're going to try to be. Tom, the uh, drive at the end of the first half seemed like it really, you know, gave you guys some momentum and flipped the game a little bit. Can you just talk about how well that was executed by you and, and the rest of the guys? It was a good drive. I think we we uh, we needed it. We kind of, you know, got behind early, went three and out to start the game, which you never want to start the game slow like that. We've actually been a pretty fast starting team and we got off to a slow start. We missed Bronco on the opening play. That would have really helped us get off to a fast start. But uh, went three and out, ended up punting the ball away. Um, they had a good first drive, you know, so we're kind of fighting uphill all half. We got the 14-10 lead and then had the had the opportunity before half to score some points and made a few critical third downs, made a critical fourth down, and then hit the the uh, the deep throw to Scotty, and he made a great catch. So he's been doing that all year for us, and um, we're going to need that because those two-minute drives are important Whether before the end of the half. Um, obviously, at the end of the game, they are, and we're just going to keep uh, trying to improve on that. Uh, Tom, after they cut it to to four, you guys went on that long, that lengthy time drive, yep. and then there was a, a, a very fast sequence. The, the interception, you're on a short field, you score right away. Uh, how how big was that sequence to to show you guys can put a game away? And I'm thinking back to the Chicago game where it was so difficult for you guys to finish. Well, we didn't we didn't play great. You know, anytime you don't play great, you know it it's. Uh, you know, you can't expect to beat a good NFL team if you're not playing, if you're playing less than your best. And uh, we got to, we got to, like I said, we got to meet the challenge every week. And every, every week's going to be a little something different. No two games are the same. No two defenses are the same. But we're learning from each other and we're trying to all be on the same page and try to um, get better every week. And that's, that's what our goal is. So it's been a, uh, you know, we got a big one this week. We got a long flight home, get rest, recovery, get ready to go to work on Wednesday and try to get ready for the Giants.
Love the attitude of a guy that's been there so many times and won six Super Bowls that, hey, we haven't accomplished anything yet. We just got to get it back together and play better and better as the year goes on. That's the attitude you want to hear. The rest of the NFL is getting very concerned, guaranteed, with what they've seen the last two weeks from this Buccaneer team. But the Bucs can't rest on that. That doesn't earn you anything for week eight or even beyond. you got to go out. The scoreboard will be 0-0 when you go to play the Giants. More on that uh, coming up. Uh, all right, another guy. We did not feature it in the highlights, uh, but Antoine Winfield with an interception in this one, a takeaway in the second half. The Bucs continue to take the ball away with the picks. Mike Edwards, the safety, had a pick earlier in the game, but it was nullified by a penalty. But this time, Antoine Winfield got one on a great diving catch. Here was the rookie safety after the game was done with the media. Hey, Antoine, I just first of all, just want to ask you about getting your first interception and just what that did to help seal the win and kind of create some distance there in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you know, it's a great feeling to get my first interception. Um, I feel like I should have had it last week, but, you know, it was great finally actually catching the ball. And um, uh, it just felt amazing. Tell me uh, what it means for you guys to be able to close out a game. I know Chicago a couple weeks ago, you guys had chances to do it and couldn't. Uh, to kind of keep your foot on the gas on, on both offense and defense and, and what it meant to to win as convincingly as you did today. Yeah, I think that's one thing that we learned um, from that game is that we have to always um, keep our keep our foot on people's necks. Um, don't let up. Just keep playing and um, at a high level throughout the entire game. Don't slow down at any point in time. Just keep going. And um, I feel like that's something that we learned during that Chicago game, which allowed us to, you know, be successful today. Well, early on, it seemed like uh, they had a little rhythm and, and – uh, they obviously got got a bit of a lead. What, what was what adjustments did you guys make to uh, to shut down the passing game? Yeah, um, they're a good team, good offense. Um, we just uh, made a few adjustments on the sideline, uh, switched up some coverages, and um, we knew that as long as we could, uh, we're out there on the field that we can make plays, and then we can go out there and close out the game. When you see Devin White uh, sacking quarterbacks and hitting guys as hard as he does, what does that do just for your defense to see him? You know, and, and Lamonte too, but today it seemed like Devin really set the tone. Yeah, both of those guys are, are ball players, um, great leaders. It's fun being able to be behind and seeing them run back and forth across the field. It's crazy, but um, both those guys just bring energy uh, to our defense, and they're really the heart of our defense. On the uh, interception, were you preparing to make a tackle and then you, you saw Mike come in and make the play and all of a sudden the ball is right in front of you? Describe that play. Yeah, so I was seeing the ball thrown, and I was breaking down the receiver. And uh, Mike was in good position. He was able to uh, defend the ball, and it just came straight to me, and I just uh, caught the ball. Takeaway after takeaway after takeaway. They got two off Aaron Rodgers last week. They got one here. They, they thought they had a fumble return as well in the first half on the Shaq Barrett hit, and Dominican Sue picked it up. They eventually overruled on replay that the ball was still in Carr's hand enough while his arm was going forward that it could be considered a pass. Else, that would have been another takeaway for the Buccaneer defense as they continue to sack the quarterback, harass the quarterback, and get the takeaways. And we'll have more on Antoine Winfield coming in a few moments here on the podcast. Scotty Miller, 100-yard pass game, leading the Bucs in yardage. Big touchdown at the end of the second quarter for the second year wideout. Back to our Hooters postgame show on Buccaneers Radio and my conversation with number 10. Ronnie, thank you. Scotty, congratulations on the win. Everybody's going to be talking about that touchdown at the end of the first half. 33-yarder from Tom Brady, perfectly dropped in over the shoulder. Describe the play and what you did. Yeah, uh, it was a big play for us in the half. Um, big big uh, momentum swing. And really, it was just a go-route. I was in a tighter split, go-route. The guy was like 10 yards off me, flat-footed, so I just ran right at him. Went outside of him, and I knew I had a chance. Looked up, saw the ball in the air, perfectly placed, like always, and he just dropped it right in. I knew I was going to be close to being out of bounds, so right when I called it, I just tried to drop down on my knees and, and try and at least get one to end. This is the second week in a row when this team just took the game over, basically, in the second quarter and dominated, especially on offense. How much confidence are you guys playing with? Talking about it on the sideline, in the huddle, dialing it in. What about it, Scotty? Yeah, I think we have a ton of confidence right now, especially these last two weeks playing really good football teams in the Packers and the Raiders. Um, but we just we know if we don't if we don't turn the ball over, if we get turnovers, and, we, and if we don't have penalties, then we're going to be in really good shape to beat anybody. Hey, you have great insight here as a young player. What have you learned from Tom Brady, meeting room, practice field, et cetera, that is translating and helping you on Sunday? 
uh, everything you could possibly imagine, really. Um, smartest player, smartest player to ever play the game, ton of knowledge, played the game for a long time. Um, so just so many little things, so many things off the field, too, as far as staying healthy, getting your body ready for game day. Um, so it's really just been gr- a great opportunity for me to learn from him and to play alongside of him. Um, it's just been, it's just been fun. Finally, I know this is October. It's five and two, still a long way to go. But th- this team has put two tremendous games, as you alluded to, back to back together, and that's got to be very encouraging for the second half of the season, right? Absolutely, yeah. We're we're like I said, we're really confident right now. Uh, we got another big time game next week, so we'll start to shift our focus onto them tomorrow, onto the Giants. So. Um, but we're really confident. We feel like we can beat anybody. Um, so we're just we're just uh, ready to roll. Love the attitude, what he's learning from Tom Brady, what he's learning from Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and everybody in that room right now with the receivers in the offensive meeting room, 45-20. The Bucks bury the Raiders. They'll remember. We'll all remember, will we not? For a long, long time, the first trip into Las Vegas in the empty stadium in the crazy 2020 year is a blowout win of the Raiders. Not unlike 2002 with John Gruden on the correct sideline, on the Buccaneers sideline, blowing out the Raiders in San Diego uh, for that game in a 48-24 whipping of the Raiders that night for a world championship, a Lombardi trophy. This one, a 25-point win. First time since the uh, first time ever that the Bucs have beaten back-to-back opponents by 25 points. Ever. First time since that 2 Super Bowl season that you've beaten back-to-back opponents by at least 20 points. That uh, Brooks and Sapp and Lynch and Allstott, Brad Johnson, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, Keenan McCardell, Rondé Barber, Simeon Rice team uh, decimated opponents that year and had a couple of wins back-to-back in that season that were 20-plus point uh, blowout victories. So, again, you haven't accomplished Super Bowl-level stuff yet, won the division, won playoff games, but it's looking good right now at this stage in October. All right, enough of me. Let's get to a conversation uh, that I have had here on Nothing But Bucks with Buccaneers staff writer Carmen Vitale. Get her perspective on the win over the Raiders, players that she thought that stood out, and a lot more as she joins me now as a special guest. As promised, back-to-back big wins, so we bring on the big-time guest, staff writer, Buccaneers.com, Carmen Vitale with me, Carmi V. The Buccaneers, impressive on another Sunday. Uh, welcome in. And these are happy uh, podcast shows, internet postings that we get to do off of 45 to 20 in Las Vegas. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm ecstatic to be able to be talking about this. Especially when you got to go back to 2002 for the last time the Bucks won by 25 or more in back-to-back games. So that leads in, I've been babbling enough on this podcast before you have come on. Give me your wisdom, please. Why and how did they look so good uh, yesterday, especially after being down 7 nothing, dominated the game again with Vegas, just like they did against Green Bay. Why? I think it, you're looking at complimentary football at its finest for this because you saw, I mean, last week against the Packers, it was really a dominant defensive performance. This time the defense gives up a little bit. Again, you know, in the beginning of the game, even kind of throughout the game, the, the Raiders came within four points, but then the offense kicked in again and the offense put up 45 points which is I think what you can kind of come to expect out of so much star power and so many playmakers on offense they're really starting to click and it's really manifesting itself in this just balance of again complimentary football well and Tom Brady uh, I think you know we've said it 57 times we're going to say it another 157 times he is remarkably accurate and for all of the doubt and all of the hate I know it is seven games in the, the ball is where it has to be over and over again with touch, with zip if it needs it. We cannot overstate that he was dissecting the Raiders and putting it wherever it, it, wherever it needed to be. That's me saying that. Follow up on that. <laughs> well, I mean, there's no better example of that than that 33-yard touchdown right before the half to Scotty Miller. Now, what we're not talking about enough with that play, I think, is that that was a two-minute drive executed to absolute perfection. I mean, he took enough time off the clock so the Raiders didn't have any time to get the ball back and, and make any sort of moves before the half. It swung the momentum back in their favor. 
going into the half knowing they weren't going to get the ball back. I think just that entire drive, not just the obvious ridiculous play that it ended with, but the entire drive was just why Tom Brady is Tom Brady. And that's something that you can start to kind of bank on now that he's getting comfortable in this, in this offense. I often have used this phrase before. I'm going to use it with you here. He could not have been overhead of Scotty Miller in the end zone on a cherry picker on a hydraulic lift and dropped that ball down to him any better than where he threw it in the back left corner of the end zone. And that those are Hall of Fame type throws. We can't overstate that where only your guy can get it uh, in the back corner of the end zone. And, uh, and I know from playing the interview with Scotty Miller there, he was talking about that play with us on Buccaneers radio after the game. And you're excited because you've broken free. You're excited that the ball's coming there and you're trying to trust your training on feet on back corner of the end zone. And as he said, ball's just right there. Ball is perfectly thrown huge to go into the half and, and have the momentum going into the half. Well, and you said it there too. I mean, we've seen this from Scotty and Tom Brady in practice we saw it in training camp we've seen it in practice we've seen a couple of those deep shots even this season but this is not you know this is not something that they just woke up one day and were able to do they have developed this rapport with each other and so scotty does know that if he gets free he can trust that brady is going to put it exactly in the place that he is used to getting it at so that's something that's been repped so many times and that's why it's just it's just laughable to me when I hear people say that Tom Brady can't throw the deep ball or that Scotty Miller isn't a deep threat or any of these things that people have been spewing. And I'm just like, the evidence is right there in front of you. <laughs> well, a lot of times, and you know this, people have their narrative already planned out. People, right. people believe what right. they believe. And then even in the face of facts and evidence, they don't want to believe it. And eventually... You shut him up if you just continue to do what he's doing, which is put the ball where it has to be, and even on deep throws, put it where it has to be. Eventually, that the play itself uh, works it out. You're hearing Carmen Vitale with me, Carmi V on uh, Twitter, StaffRiderBuccaneers.com, hanging out on the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Uh, someone that we're not talking about enough coming out of that 45-20 win would be. Does does, does Devin White count? Because well, we've been talking about him, but maybe not enough. Talk about him, talk about I, don't him I don't know if we're talking about it. The guy had three sacks. Three. Mm -hmm. He got credited with three sacks in this game. So it was his second multi-sack game of his career, his very young career. And he had a phenomenal game against the Green Bay Packers. He's just getting better and better, especially against a run game like the Raiders, who have Josh Jacobs. Now, granted, I know they lost basically the right side of their offensive line in that game, and their offensive line hadn't gotten a chance to practice all week. But you've still got Josh Jacobs there in the backfield, who is extremely hard to bring down. And he's probably one of the best running backs, as you know, according to our, our own coaches in this league. So Devin White, Levante David, they did a great job of containing him. I mean, again, the Bucks, another game where that, that Raiders ground game got 70-some yards right. on like total. So I think that that can't be overstated when you make these teams one-dimensional and you're going to force Derek Carr to win this game for, you, for them and force them to pass. And then the secondary steps up. And I got to give a little shout out to little Antoine Winfield Jr. Mm. Because he got his first pick. And I would like to say that I called it in my five bucks to watch this week because he didn't get it against the Packers against a guy that his dad did it against. So I was like, well, that means that this week he has to get it. And he did. You did, you did call that. Five Buccaneers to watch, by the way, led with Devin White from Carmi V on the internet on Buccaneers.com and had Antoine Winfield Jr. in there. Uh, Carmen, I keep saying the same thing. You can talk about bloodlines. You can talk about playing at the highest level in the Big Ten. He looked NFL ready from the time he showed up. Expound on jump. that because you've been seeing him. Absolutely. I mean, it was one of those things where I kept cautioning against having any sort of expectation on these rookies coming into a season like this where they didn't really have, they didn't have an offseason program. They had a very limited preseason. They just didn't have the time to develop and gel with their guys and get used to this level. And I think both of our top two rookies have proven me completely wrong. Tristan Werfs has, I mean, you don't hear about him. Maybe he's the one that we need to talk about that we're not talking about enough because offensive linemen in general you don't want to hear their name and you're there not you hearing go. Tristan Wirfs the name well put and if you're not hearing his name that's a really good thing exactly so I think that Tristan Wirfs is right up there he played at the highest level but then you look at Antoine Winfield Jr and then 
in getting to talk to him, in getting to know him a little bit more, you understand that his dad has basically groomed him for this his entire life. He knows he came into here, into the Bucks, into the professional level, knowing how to study film. And that's something that you can't take for granted because there's a lot of guys that don't really start studying film until college, if then. And they even when they get to the NFL, they have to relearn how to do it and do it effectively. Antoine Winfield Jr. has been doing that his entire life. And he has told us that he multiple times a week, if not every night, goes over tape with his dad for like an hour. And so that <laughs> this kind is in of addition to everything else, doing correct. it with Todd Bowles, doing it with position coach, correct. doing it on your own. Now we got Papa right across from us on the FaceTime <laughs> or the Zoom or whatever, and we're going over it again. But it also speaks to the dedication of Absolutely. I want to be better, I want to improve on, on what I'm doing, and I love the fact he doesn't love it. Second-round pick, chip on his shoulder, didn't get first-round money, something else to be motivated and improve. So Antoine Winfield, who we're talking about here, uh, first interception in that game and somebody to watch uh, as we move on and as we move forward. All right, a few moments – uh, left here with you. Um, it's it's very easy right now for the mindset, and fans love this, to be, okay, we're going to beat the crap out of everybody. They made it look really easy the last two weeks. The Giants are not very good. We, we know this. So this may be a test in a way with everybody telling uh, those guys how great they are and how easy the last two wins are. How do you focus in for Monday Night Football? As we, as we go into this week and go ahead with this week, isn't that one of the challenges for Bruce Arians, for Byron Lefwich, for Todd Bowles, that despite everybody and the outside noise telling you how great you are, you got you to gotta lock back in here, even though they're going to be telling you you should kill the Giants as well, Carmen. Well, I think that plus add on the fact that you've got the Saints on the other side of the New York Giants, and now it all of a sudden becomes one of those infamous trap games where – you want to kind of maybe focus in on the Saints because you want to beat them this second time around. And that's kind of what you're thinking of. That, that's entered into the near future now that you can look at. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, you cannot feed into the, the hype as much because when it goes the other way and when you're not playing well, you don't want to feed into that either. So it has to go both ways. You can't, you know, you can't do one and not the other. So absolutely kind of falls on these coaches unfortunately to have to keep these guys super locked in super focused but I think that with the leaders that you have on this team in the locker room that go. shouldn't be super difficult because not only do you have Tom Brady on offense you have guys like Chris Godwin Mike Evans who is just give him all of the credit for being the selfless player that he is I've gotten a lot of questions about should we be concerned about his production He's producing. He's just not getting the catches. He is drawing defenders away. He's drawing those double teams. And that is why you are seeing Brady spread the ball out to as many people as he is. So Mike Evans is still a huge part of this offense, even though it's not showing up in the stat sheet. And when you have a selfless guy like that, they can only lead you into good things. And then on defense, you've got like Levante David, Devin White. You've got these guys that you know, know how to get these guys going. So JPP, I'm not- who has a ring who will he now be playing ring. against his old team coming on Monday and very much wants another championship run, if not another ring. So you're going to listen to guys like that. Mm-hmm. And the Hall of Famer at the controls uh, in Tom Brady on the offensive side of the ball. We'll just see. We'll see how the mindset uh, is going uh, as this week unfolds and you get ready for Monday Night Football. A lot of primetime games that are going to be coming here uh, fast and furious as they should be for, for with the way that the Bucs uh, are playing. So these are strange times. You know, it's interesting. I'll pull, the, I'll pull the curtain back a little bit that we are working remotely. We were not in Las Vegas yesterday. You were at Raymond James Stadium in the area where I was, where Scott Smith of Buccaneers.com was, where Gene and Dave are calling the game. We're, we're kind of becoming like our own little clique, our own little family <laughs> on the remote broadcast. It's kind, of, it's kind of working. It's a little different. It's a little quirky. We just adjust in 2020, right? Yeah. The coverage is going to be the same on Buccaneers.com, the best that we can be. We're going to call it the best that we can on the radio. We're dealing with 2020 and rolling along. And if they make it easy and keep winning, then, then it makes it even easier to deal with, right? It really does. I couldn't imagine if it had gone the other because <laughs> right. winning does make everything it makes everything easier it makes everything better and you're right this is this has been very strange but i whole i wholly and humbly appreciate being able to be part of that little click 
uh, because I learned so much every single away game, which is not an opportunity I would have gotten otherwise. So, hey, silver lining, right? Well, because a lot of times you're in a press box setting, you're watching on your own, you're keeping track of things, and this is what goes on at home. And again, for the audience, we're kind of giving them a peek, uh, even though this is audio, not video, and it's not a physical peek, it's a, it's a figurative peek, that we are all kind of in the same area, socially distanced, of course, but we're all doing our jobs. We're all hearing each other, interacting each other, interacting with each other on stats, on what we're seeing. Um, I, I have to commend not only Jeff Ryan, our, our director of broadcasting, uh, but the Glazers, uh, uh, Brett Green, our video guy, the video guys from the other teams that are helping provide feeds that we get to see that the, the audience at home that's watching on TV doesn't necessarily get to see. And, it, and Carmen, it, it makes our job a lot easier because we're able to see some things like we would be at a stadium up high in a press box because other people are hustling uh, to make that happen for us. So it's a team effort and we're, we're enjoying this right now and the winning makes it all better. It really does. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> Victory Mondays are, uh, are a good thing. Okay, so I promoted uh, the five players to watch leading up. You've got takeaways out later on Monday on Buccaneers.com, correct? Roll out what, what we're looking for from you on the site. Yeah, so we're going to do – I do takeaways every Monday after the game, and it's just top three. I, I sometimes kind of go a little lengthy because there's just a lot to talk about after these games. Um, and then Tuesdays I do kind of a film breakdown article, and I pick one player, and I break down a few plays of his from the game and, and why he was so effective. So if anybody's got suggestions for me who they want to see – Ooh. Throw it out there. I'm all, I'm all ears. Oh, wait, all wait, ears. wait. She's, she's, running a, she's running a little bit of a poll, a little bit of a contest here. Might we see the breakdown of Scotty Miller, who didn't just have the touchdown catch. He had six catches to lead the team. Might we right. see him? Might we that see was a Devin career high White? Might we see Devin White on the film breakdown? Could we see Antoine Winfield, who had his first interception on a little film breakdown? Chris Godwin's name we have not mentioned. Let's say this one more time for the 87th time, and we'll say it another 87 times. Such a tough football player. Blocking uh, yards after contact on the catch. And you were mentioning when Mike Evans is double teamed, who do you, who do you want a single team? You want a single team Gronk? It's going to get thrown to him. You want a single team Chris Godwin? Good luck. Or, or are you going to single up Scotty Miller and get beat with a touchdown? And Godwin gets a lot of this stuff done over the middle, tough yards, gets popped, gets right back up. We can't say enough about him. Maybe it's a film breakdown about him. Maybe. It could be that touchdown that he had. I mean, the Las Vegas defense just completely lost track of him in the back of the end zone. And Brady tracked him the whole way and then just fired it into that window that he knew he could get it to him at. But you're right. Who else do you, who else do you single team? I mean, that was, that's what happened with Gronk, too, on his touchdown. He had a little 5'9 corner on him. 5'9 <laughs> corner night. on 6'6 six, six Gronk. Goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, I'm going to the Hall of Fame and you're going to watch me catch another touchdown. So, uh, yes. So the, these guys working together and we can't, uh, again, we, we have to keep in perspective, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, this is October. It's five and two. It's 2020 anyway right now. We don't know what's going to happen next week or next month. So they clearly have still got work to do, haven't won a division, haven't won a playoff game. But for now, Carmen, one more time, this is fun to get to watch and to recap and to write about and to talk about. Say it again. And this is very, very – victory Mondays are much better than regular Mondays or losing Mondays. But I'm also not super worried about that because after every one of these wins, you hear Tom Brady go – yeah, we still got a lot to work on. He said that they had a decent game last game. We heard corners coach Kevin Ross last week say the defense hasn't even close to peaked yet. They're, they're hoping they'll peak in a couple of weeks. Like, these guys aren't resting on their laurels, and so I'm, I'm confident that we're going to be okay. There we go. That's all we can be confident of on a Victory Monday. Carmen Vitale, Carmi V on social media, staffwriterbuccaneers.com. Monday, takeaways will be out at the time that you're hearing this. The film breakdown is out Tuesday or Wednesday when you do that. Tuesday. Tuesday. Performance review. So check all of that, even if you're hearing us a little later in the week when people hear the podcast, go back and find the performance review uh, where she's breaking down a certain player. You can still vote if you're hearing us early in the week. You can still vote on whether that's Scotty Miller, Devin White, Antoine Winfield, Chris Godwin. 
Uh, you ever do two, or you always single it down to one on the voting? You just I always single it down to one. So, la- and right. last week, I will say I did Devin White. So I don't know that I can do a great warrant another week, but not I think likely. I but you gotta, you gotta stay tuned on that, kiddo. Good job. Thank you for hanging with me on the Nothing But Bucks podcast, Carmen Vitale. I appreciate it. Thanks, Teej. I will talk to you soon. There we go. Love uh, Carmen's insight. Again, follow her at Carmi V on uh, Twitter. Carmen Vitale, staff writer for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Read her stuff on Monday with the uh, the takeaways from the game and also the player profile, uh, analyzing the film. Go ahead and give her some suggestions on social media and contacting her there on which player you want to see profile. Maybe it will be Antoine Winfield Jr. Maybe it'll be Scotty Miller. Uh, we will see. Uh, check her out on Buccaneers.com. We thank you for being with us. The Bucks will next play Monday night football at the Meadowlands at MetLife Stadium against the New York Giants coming next Monday night, November 1st. It'll be a new month when we're back here on the podcast. As the Buccaneers come in at 5-2 and two against a Giants team that has really struggled so far this season. They got their first win recently against the Washington football team, but they lost on Thursday night, last Thursday night to Philadelphia. So the Giants will actually get 11 days between that Thursday night loss and the Monday night game to host the Bucs. As the Bucs come up to the Meadowlands here for this matchup. Uh, with the opponents from the NFC East. So we will be on the air at 7 Eastern time on Buccaneers Radio coming on Monday night, November the 1st. And we'll be back with nothing but Bucks on the day afterwards. My thanks to Steve Carney helping me with all the highlights and the interviews. Jeff Ryan is our director of broadcasting. Uh, I love Carmen Vitale hopping on the podcast as well. Read her on Buccaneers.com as a staff writer. Love her insight. That will do it. A reminder, subscribe to the podcast. It'll come automatically to you through Apple Podcasts, the Buccaneers mobile app. If you subscribe, we'll be back with a Monday recap, hopefully talking about a three-game win streak with another convincing win. Let's hope so on Monday night against the Giants, who are ripe. They're there for the taking. If the Bucs come out focused, don't turn the ball over, take care of business. This should be another win, but that's why you line up and play. We'll see what happens Monday. We'll come back and recap it for you right after it is done. For now, we are done off a 45-20 blowout win of the Raiders. I am merely TJ Reeves. Thank you for finding me on Nothing But Bucks. Bye.